if we're going to have a, a network with a lot of capacity and um, essentially a lot of capital invested in channels, we need better tools. We need professional tools that are well-built, well-tested. So let's say we have like $2 trillion in transaction volume, like a network. We would need quite a lot of capacity in the network to handle that. Instead of people speculating, using that to um, either borrow and trade with or to speculate in something else, you, you're actually here producing value for somebody. You're doing a, doing a service for somebody, helping them transfer money. This is a skill, right? People who are really skilled at deploying that capital. Um, so it's, it's like the stock market, right? Like, should I put it here, should I put it there? Or actually, I'm producing cars, should I spend more on this sort of production line or this, right? Um, and so, so you want somebody who really knows this because doing this yourself is most likely going to be less efficient. Henrik Skogstrom is the founder of LN Capital, a company building capital management software for lightning routing nodes. In our conversation, Henrik and I discussed the challenges that routing node operators face today how LN Capital's first product, Torque, can alleviate some of those challenges. We discussed the addressable market for routing payments across the Lightning Network. And we discussed the skill and capital requirements needed to be a successful Lightning Node operator. I've also added Henrik to today's show splits. So if you enjoy this show and if you learn something new, you can send in sats and comments and questions. Henrik and I will each get 50% of the sats and both of us will be able to read your comments and questions. Quick shout out before we get into the episode, today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard and next generation provider of Lightning Node infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Zebedee. That's Z-E-B-E-D-E-E, -E -E -E, and Zebedee is your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. We'll have more from Voltage and Zebedee later in the show. Henrik, thank you for joining me today on the show. I'm excited to chat with you about routing and all the work you're doing at Ellen Capital and your new product, Torque. Um, but first, how about we start with uh, your background in Lightning, how you first came to discover it, and then why you decided to build Ellen Capital. Sure, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, um, I got into Lightning while working at Arcane Crypto, um, where we were... Um, Essentially, we I was asked to check out Lightning Network and uh, did that in January 2019, thereabout, uh, and sort of just fell in love with uh, the whole system and, and everything there, uh, how it, like, sort of like rediscovering programming or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's um, I through through Arcane I got into building different uh, software for um, for Lightning Network where we um, started building a payment solution um, there. And, and through that, I got a lot of experience with Lightning Network um, through those years. And um, yeah, uh, that's how I got into to Lightning, essentially. And then now, so you decided to then go off from Arcane and build LN Capital. Um, what was the reasoning there? What, what do you think was missing that you had to had to build? Yeah, so I started playing around with the routing nodes and um, what I essentially found is that the tools at the time weren't really uh, doing a great job of visualizing and telling the story of what's happening with the routing node and with the node. Um, 
and if we're going to have a a network with a lot of capacity and um, essentially a lot of capital invested in channels we need better tools we need professional tools that are well built well tested uh, to analyze and essentially sort of follow the day-to-day events happening with your node and uh, take actions and build reports and report essentially what what is happening um, to either yourself or the people investing in the node. So that was essentially the, the basic premise where um, I wanted to build towards that future where, where there is uh, a significantly more um, like bigger amount of capital in the network. Mm-hmm. And so now, so, so the first product you've released is called Torque, T-O-R-Q. Um, can you describe and maybe explain to listeners like how, what some of the specific um, problems that Torque will solve for for routing node operators? Yeah, so Torque is you can think about it a bit like Google Analytics for routing nodes. Uh, so what it does is essentially subscribe to the nodes' data um, at live. So it catches a lot of the data that LND doesn't store, which is, for example, the event like changes in channel um, uh, state and routing policy also all the hdlc updates and so for example if um, a payment failed or route like a forwarding uh, failed why did it fail or every all the information related to that um, it also sort of tracks a lot of the, the data in a um, in sort of a time series way so it knows like when they happen and how they sort of relate to each other over time Right. Okay. What, so it, is, is Torque uh, available for all Lightning implementations or just on LND? Right now it's just on LND, but it's in the very near future it's going to um, support C-Lightning as well. Um, right. So I think that's the two main implementations for now. Uh, of course, if there's any other new major nodes coming out, then we'll Yeah. Now for, for LND specifically, what, what types of data does LND already store or, or what type of data is already accessible for a routing node operator before Torque? Uh, what do you mean? Like, um... like if you mentioned that there was, there was stuff that LND was not uh, storing that you, you can surface for Torque users. Without right. Torque, what would LND users have access to? Um, well, they have access to a lot of data that is basically static, so what's the state of the channels right now? Um, what invoices has there been? What payments has there been? What successful forwards has there been? Um, yeah, a bunch of stuff basically that, that has happened, but not the sort of, um, not the changes to the current state as they happen. So you can't go back and see that, oh, this channel updated like that um, last week or an hour ago. Uh, so that's essentially the, the basic, um, so that's one of the things that's really built out in Torque right now. Um, oh, so a lot of the, the front end and visualizing this is not done yet, but it's coming out very soon. Right. And so now when you think about, you know, being the Google Analytics for routing node operators, how do you think about the size of this addressable market or the size of the opportunity? Yeah. So right now, of course, the, the network has about 3,800 Bitcoins in it. Um, 
which is not a lot uh, compared to the amount of um, transactions volume I think we're going to see in um, the semi-near future, so let's say three, three or four years ahead. Um, so I think we're going to have a, a much, much larger um, network of routing nodes uh, and professional routing nodes. Um, and these, these nodes will have a lot more um, capital invested than normal people running on the Raspberry Pi is going to uh, have or have today, essentially. Right. And so when you're thinking about your North Star metric for uh, assessing the opportunity, are you looking at the number of Bitcoin? Is that the is that the relevant metric for you, or is it number of users or number of institutions on Lightning? Like, what what's the biggest indicator for you know a, a large market for you? I mean, what I would consider large routing nodes. So the amount, like the number of them, um, it's of course a bit of an evolving um, way of counting what's a large routing node. Um, but essentially, you can you can see that number increasing if you just take, for example, a node with more than one Bitcoin in capacity and more than fifty channels. Uh, you have about today like four hundred and uh, yeah, four hundred nodes, um, and I'm going. I think that number is going to increase quite a lot, and I think we're going to to see like a hook stick movement on on that number as we approach like three and four years into the future. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how do you then think about building a business model around, you know, uh, serving some of these larger nodes? Are you going to, is this like a SaaS model? Is it going to be uh, a percentage on, is there a way to get like a percentage on the volume that flows through their nodes? would love to explore that more. Depends a bit on how the, the market evolves, but you can say that there are a number of products surrounding Torque, where essentially the basic Torque implementation is open source and, and free for anyone to download. But of course, if you're running a business with um, like millions of dollars invested in Node, you might want some, some extra services, some extra data, some extra processing. You might also want a software service um, solution for, for one of the main tools you use to manage uh, that routing node. Essentially because if you're storing a large amount of data coming from these nodes um, and that system is really important for operation, you, you want something that's super solid, that's, that doesn't need an extra IT team to, to just operate that system. So of course there's an opportunity there for, for a software as a service model. Um, there's also of course um, access, having access to capital and moving capital in and out and of the network and on these kinds of services is also something that I'm now looking at to, um, building towards. Yeah. Now, when you think about uh, the addressable kind of the, the opportunity for, for changing the way payments work on Lightning, um, and you think about like the types of payments that you're going to start to see on Lightning, as you, you mentioned, like looking out three or four years, um, you see this like inflection point happening. Um, what, what types of payments do you think we'll be seeing in three or four years that maybe we're not seeing today? In terms of the size of payments or um, like... Uh... Yeah, in both. It could be a different use case. It could be, could be uh, yeah, an increase in the, the capacity or the size of payments. Right. It's, it's a really interesting question. It's, it's one of those things where 
we can't, like, I think it's one of the things where we can't imagine the future, right? Um, it might be used in a way we just don't, can't, like, can't imagine today. Uh, so we might see like a ton of tiny payments for some reason, like podcasting, um, similar use cases for like pay per minute or pay per, like something like that uh, happen. Or um, um, yeah, all kinds of scenarios essentially we can't imagine. Um, so. Do you have a sense for how big public capacity might be on the network in the into the future, like a like, I mean that to some degree has a bounds to it, right? <laughs> there, there's a limit on that of of 21 million, um, but like how how do you think about what a healthy lightning mark lightning network market looks like? Like is if we get to 10,000 Bitcoin, is that a healthy amount for a mature network to serve the world? If we get to 100,000 Bitcoin, is that is that an indicator of health? Uh, a million Bitcoin. What what is that? How do you think about framing that opportunity? Well, it's it's an interesting question. I think it depends on the efficiency of the capital we have invested in in channels, and um, that of course determines the need for it. And I think this is where the fee market comes into play um, as well, where you can you can say that. Uh, it's a bit hard to say right now the, the exact need for capacity, but I think if we're seeing a a transaction volume on Lightning that's, for example, represent 15% of the um, transactions uh, being done in a estimated future, so let's say we have like $2 trillion in transaction volume on Lightning Network, we would need quite a lot of capacity in the network to handle that. So I could imagine, yeah, something like uh, 500,000 um, Bitcoin in mm. capacity. But of course, it's just guessing, right? Pulling numbers. Um, yeah. One thing you, you mentioned was efficiency. Mm. And that is kind of a, a key for, for determining how much capital should be allocated. How are routing how are routing node operators measuring their efficiency today? So it depends. I think um, one measure that you can use that's really simple is essentially the turnover of your channel. Um, so you can like you can imagine that just having more capital in the channel, you can route bigger payments. But if you very seldomly route large payments that are larger than the available capital. Um, and you have a channel that's quite balanced, then it's better to have that channel as small as possible, right? Because then you can have more of those channels. Um, so that, that's a measure like seeing how, like the, the turnover of the channel, how large is that? Um, so you can also add that to, to, if you have a large turnover, you will have a larger um, profit on the capital, which means that you can afford to take a lower fee on the, on the um, um, on each transaction and still be um, essentially use that as a competitive advantage. Right. Um, and so do you have a sense for what a healthy level of efficiency is today? Like, do you have, can we apply numbers to this for, for routing node operators listening to this? Um, I know you guys have a, a node yourself uh, for Allen Capital. Um, do, you, do you have an idea for what numbers might make, uh, might be deemed to be efficient today in terms of like that turnover? It's really hard to say. I don't know what other nodes um, experience. So yeah, not not sure what, what you can say is a really healthy channel. Of course, you, you 
I don't know, maybe one a week, on like the whole channel a week. Depends entirely on your nose ring. So one a week would be meaning like one times the public capacity of your of your node is being is it being routed every week, right? Yeah, but it's of course it depends entirely on on your node if if that's efficient or not. Some are really good at this and have a lot of traffic. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I guess some also have basically no fees, right? I was I chatted with zero fee routing a while back, um, and I believe zero fee routing has one of the like highest turnovers of of any node on the network, where where it's just constantly churning through through Bitcoin. Um, I guess is that an important indicator too? Like if you have high fees, you may have a lower efficiency in that regard, uh, but you may be earning more money. Yeah, exactly. Like. Um... The amount of the amount of money you earn is essentially like the amount of money you you transfer out or you you forward outbound uh, times your fee, right? So um, if you have something like zero fee routing, I, I had a channel with him um, or have a channel with him, and and that channel has sees like an insane uh, turnover, right? Uh, it's used many many times over, maybe a day, right? Um, so that that of course contributes to to other channels where I earn more money. Than with zero fee routing, where essentially he fuels some of the traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's all about like the amount of money transferred and the fee you can take, and maximizing sort of the trade off between them, right? Right. How do you think about setting fees on on your node, like on the on the LN Capital node? Um, what's your what's your thought process on whether or not you should have zero fees, really high fees, somewhere in the middle? How do you think about that? I'm actually testing different things. I've been playing around with static fee levels for some time. Uh, also trying out sort of statically low and statically high fees. And uh, um, but I'm because I'm building out Torque and focusing maximally on this. It's I don't have that much time to to play around with this as maybe some of the other node operators out there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something I think we'll see an evolution of as the tools get more advanced as well. And finding sort of that optimal point between the amount forwarded and the amount sort of um, the, the revenue you have on the base of the fee. Will Torque eventually suggest things like start to like notice changes to your node and suggest you take certain actions? Like I know that's something that every now and then on YouTube analytics, they do that when you know I, I publish a video and oh this video did really well or people really like this one they stayed around for a really long time or this video had very low uh, you know like click through rates. Uh, do you think that those kind of metrics are going to be uh, useful for Torque? Definitely, and I think this is where as we gather more data, um, we can do more of these things. I think it's definitely easier for YouTube to do something like that because they have. Like they have access to everybody's data, right? That's one of their business models. Um, so yeah, of course you can do more powerful, more advanced sort of analytics into that. Um, but I think as the nodes grow, we can we can have more and more advanced version of this. But a really simple version of this, something we can build fairly soon, I think. Mm -hmm. Will Will Torque also have access to all all this data? Like, will you have access to all of the users' node data to to kind of make these suggestions or? How does that work? No, so the default product doesn't share data anywhere. It doesn't send data anywhere. Uh, so we're looking into to having a product that does something 
in that in that direction. But I, it's not something we can talk about just yet. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, okay, I want to talk about you know one one thing that I'm I'm starting to think about a bit more when it comes to the topic of routing and earning on Lightning Network is the transition of Bitcoin from being viewed as like this you know, digital gold or like digital rock that you can't really do anything with to now potentially like a productive asset. Do you think that's realistic to, to have people start to frame Bitcoin in that way that now we can look at it in a different light because you can earn on Lightning? Definitely. And like this is becoming a situation where you, yeah, you can invest your money in a routing node that produces, that uses that to actually produce value for somebody else, themselves and you. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think it's very well described that you're going from sort of this valuable rock to something you can use that rock for and, and generate value. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all happening natively on Bitcoin too, right? Like, it's not like you're, like you're actually earning your rewards in Bitcoin from Bitcoin transactions it's not like you have to send it out to some, you know, custodian, have them loan it out to someone else, rehypothecate it, and like take on custodial risk. It's like you can hold it yourself, yeah. Deploy it across the Lightning Network, and all of a sudden your money is now working for you. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And and this is, I think it's interesting versus uh, these um, sort of yield products and yield um, projects, essentially, that we saw uh, for some time. The, I think the, the real difference here is instead of people speculating, using that to um, try to borrow and trade with or to speculate in something else, you, you're actually here producing value for somebody. You're doing a, doing a service for somebody, helping them transfer money. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, this is generating real value, both in terms of utility and in, in rewards and sort of revenue. Yeah. What have you heard from, you know, have you had any conversations with uh, institutions or, or people that have a good amount of capital that they want to deploy? What are they most excited about, um, you know, in, in the conversations where you've talked about Torque and how it works? What, what are some of the selling points that, that get people's attention today? Well, most of the people I talk about outside, like with outside of Bitcoin, doesn't understand anything <laughs> of this, uh, and um, it takes some time to just explain it to them. Um, but once you get past sort of the basics and you you put this in terms that they understand, <clears throat> um, because everything is basically relatable. As it's a payment network, and you you need capital in order to to transfer, right? Once they get to that point, it's it's like oh that. That's interesting, and I think <clears throat> later down the road we're going to get to the point where um, this is going to be an investment opportunity, like anything else. Uh, for example, you can be um, you can move your money uh, in and out of Bitcoin into um, like index funds to to trade on stocks to to do different activities, and when the fee on on the Lightning Network increases, uh, the revenue for routing nodes increases, which means that you can pump in more capital um, to earn more money because there is a need for more capacity in the network. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yes, yeah, so you can you can sort of flip back and forth because once sort of the, the capacity of the network increases too much, the fee level is reduced because there's too much competition for the different routes. Uh, so in order to compete, you need to reduce the um, 
the fee again. And at that point, of course, the, um, the return, the average return of the node goes down and then, okay, it may be more interesting to move capital out of the node um, into some other product or investment vehicle. Uh, so I think this is quite a bit further down the road, but I think we will see that happen in the future where you have sort of this market that balances fee versus capacity as it is needed. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense for what the uh, typical earning rate might be on Lightning today? Like, what is a what's a typical yield that someone might be able to generate? I know the nodes, the, depending on the quality of your node and the size of your node, there's just a ton of factors at play here. But uh, do you have a rough guideline for like if someone if someone came to you today and said, you know, I have a hundred Bitcoin, I want to put them on the Lightning Network, how much can I earn? Like what, what ballpark are you thinking of right now as like uh, potential for, for earning yield today? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> of course, as you said, it depends on a lot of factors, right? If you have 100 Bitcoin, you can create a large node, right? And, and you create sort of a, like a gravity effect from that, uh, as you can see with, with some of the other large nodes. So I think you can definitely earn more uh, than a lot of other nodes, but it's it's still hard to say. Like hundred Bitcoin is might be too much um, to deploy, um, but I think the return on your investment right now is not that high because there is a lot of enthusiasts um, putting in money without an expectation of earning a lot. Where they could put that if they sold their Bitcoin and put it in an index fund, they would make more. Um, so. So I think right now the market is a bit affected by it because we essentially might have more capacity in the network that is needed on the most used routes, essentially. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's of course it's hard to say, but I think it's it's not something that's super attractive right now. Right. How do you think about what is too much uh, Bitcoin to add to the network? Like you said, a hundred Bitcoin might be too much today. Mm -hmm. How do you make that assessment and like where do you think that threshold is for you know efficiently deploying Bitcoin to the network? If I said I had 20 Bitcoin, would you say that's too much? Or like where where's that threshold point today? I mean this is just sort of top of my head intuition. Um I don't run one of the really big nodes, so I have no idea. Um but I mean it's you can look at the other big nodes that that see a lot of traffic, and I don't think any of them have like hundred Bitcoin in capacity unless they are like Wallet or somebody else uh, like that. So I think that is sort of an indication. It might also just be the result of that these are individuals who have a limited amount of Bitcoin. I think there's few out there. Um, actively playing with this that have 100 Bitcoin to, to play around with and risk on this, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's hard to say again. <laughs> right. What do you think the role of, you know, you mentioned wallets maybe being the, the one entity that has, there are examples of wallets and exchanges that do have 100 Bitcoin, but there are only a few of them. Um, what do you think the role of a do you think the Lightning Network will be dominated by service providers that are, you know, routing, but also providing a, you know, wallet or exchange service? Or is there a space for someone to come in purely as a router with no other, you know, uh, sync for, for capital? You, you know, you're not using it as an exchange. You're not using it as a wallet. 
It's just uh, an entity that has built a node purely for routing. Is that realistic? Or do you think it's going to be likely that routing nodes in the future, or the successful ones, are always tied to an additional service on the network? So if you, let's say you're Bolt of Satoshi, you, essentially you're using some of your customers' Bitcoin to open channels. Uh, so you have free access to Bitcoin to invest in being a routing node as well. Um, of course, you have to balance that with optimizing towards having the correct amount of outbound liquidity and inbound liquidity. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a benefit to, to have access to somebody else's Bitcoin free of charge uh, to do that, right? And it might be that we get to the point where the customer is actually requiring, like, demanding some return, like a bank, right? If I put my money in a bank, I require interest on that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's course, really interesting. Yeah. I think that we're just seeing that the very sort of tip of the, like the very early sort of developments in, in Lightning Network and everything right now is like so um what's the word like um um yeah enthusiasts driven by enthusiasts um naive basically um still i wonder if that's a that's a growth hack for an exchange or a wallet like if i've got a bitcoin exchange and I, i'm working on a lightning integration could i say hey every um every customer at the exchange you can you can pay you can put up to let's say one bitcoin or Maybe you have uh, a threshold. Maybe it's 0.1 Bitcoin. You can put 0.1 Bitcoin, uh, dedicate it to this, you know, Lightning node, and you're just going to earn a portion of the the routing fees every single day. And you're going to kind of you're giving basically exchange customers or wallet customers an incentive to use your exchange or wallet. Um, and you know that hasn't really played out to date, like I haven't seen any any exchanges or wallets take that approach yet. But I wonder as, as it gets more competitive, if that's if you think that might be a mechanism to bootstrap more activity and get more capital and more people interested in the network. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I think I think we're going to see that at some point. We're going to see most of these sort of business model appears. Um, might be that like the normal like Bitcoin as we know today are going to be a bit wary of those products um, because they know that they're essentially handing their money over to a custodian like um, third party. Mm -hmm. But of course it is, um, yeah, if you, if you need your money in, in some sort of custodial wallet anyway, because you want a small amount available and it doesn't matter that much to you, like having a lot of customers doing that and preferring you because they gain a little bit of money in like in their bank account. Um, then yeah, uh, I think we're going to see that. But I think also we're going to see the emergence of routing nodes that have this sort of product that um, you you um, essentially deploy your money there because you don't want to operate a routing node, but you want to like have a profit split essentially with them where they get a access to capital that is a bit cheaper than other market markets and um, you earn profits by still holding Bitcoin in, in a way. And I think also we're going to see this develop in a both a custodial version and a non-custodial version. Um, How would that work with, with a custodial versus non-custodial approach there? Well, we can see products like Pool, right, where you essentially you can build that and use that as a, a non-custodial investment into into routing nodes, right? Um, 
But yeah, I think right now on pool though, there's only a few hundred nodes that can um, sell liquidity, right? Is that is that correct? I'm not sure about that. I, I don't exactly know the um, the limits or, or they have set that sort of limitations on it. Um, yeah, I, think, I thought there was some like a if, if you have a certain rank on uh, either through terminal or through the boss score, you can sell liquidity. But eventually, yeah, like there are other liquidity marketplaces too. Like I think Amboss has one where anyone can sell liquidity. Um, yeah, and I guess that would also be a non-custodial method, right? Yeah, I think a lot today is based on you being a a routing node and selling to people who need liquidity for. Uh, like their shops. Um, I think we can see that change where essentially we get to the point where people can just invest in other routing nodes in, in various degrees of uh, custody. Right, okay. So so in that case, I could just say, hey, zero fee routing is doing really cool stuff. Um, I don't want to compete with him. I just want to help fund him. I'll give him, you know, a Bitcoin and he can go deploy that and put it to use. And I know he can earn a higher yield than I could because he's got a super well-connected node and therefore then I'm gonna earn a return on that. Is that the idea? Exactly, and this is a skill, right? People who are really skilled at deploying that capital. Um, so it's, it's like the stock market, right? Like, should I put it here, should I put it there? Or actually I'm producing cars, should I spend more on this sort of production line or this, right? Um, and so, so you want somebody who really knows this because doing this yourself is most likely going to be less efficient than, than investing in somebody else, as well as the benefit of pooling your money with other people essentially, right? So mm. there is somewhat of a benefit of being in large, routing out. Um, so that will probably happen where you have a uh, smaller set of really large nodes serving um, a lot of um, different markets. And I think we're going to see this sort of different level of routing nodes targeting large sort of players and then some targeting smaller uh, shops and, and all that throughout this market. I think just the market today is so like it's um, simple in a way. I think we're going to see a much, much more complex market in four years and especially in like eight years. It's just going to be unrecognizable. Today. That's a fascinating idea that you're, you can invest in the skill of routing node operators. Like it's, it's similar in a way to uh, being able to invest in a fund or if I see a great investor, I can say, hey, will you take my money and just put it to work for me? But there's so many restrictions on that today. Like for example, I can't just go to Warren Buffett and be like, hey, here Warren, take my money and put it to work. I, I, could, I could through Berkshire Hathaway, um, but before that came to market, if I had identified Warren as a smart guy before he built it, um, I can't do anything about that. There's, there's private funds today, there's hedge funds that I can't, I can't invest in directly you either have to be like an accredited investor, you have to go through loopholes, you have to, you have to get the person to be willing to take your money. <laughs> and and there's, there's restrictions around that. And it seems like this can be a much more seamless process for investing in someone's skill, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And if we can get to the point where there is less trust involved, like a lot of the um, regulation in the financial market today is based on the need for trust, right? Um, to protect investors and, and uh, consumers from investing in uh, bad actors. Um, 
So yeah, like we can do that today custodially um, and making it at least more efficient to, to do non-custodial is, is beneficial as well. But yeah, this is exactly like this will, I think it will become like investing in a, in a fund. Um, and you can you can see that if, if you want to do that, if, if investors, professional investors especially, is going to invest in routing nodes, you need a tool and they expect you to have a tool that lets you essentially just show them what's going on, like print reports, like, um, yeah, you can tell them actively what's going on. And it's much harder if you're sitting there with a command line or, and um, Microsoft Excel and, and building sort of these, these things through yeah, ad hoc tools. Um, so this again is why we're building targets towards that future where there is a much more professional market. Right. So in a way, this is almost a, it's like reporting software. You could almost hand this over to your, you know, fund investors uh, over time and be like, hey, look, here's, here's the monthly report. Here's how much, how much money was routed. Here's all the different updates to all the different channels. And you can kind of go as detailed as you want. And I guess it's helpful for the routing node operator, but it's also helpful for them to share in the future with anyone who is committing capital to their node. Exactly. And so the, the balance there between sort of the, I guess you can say that there's three categories of, of insight and metrics you want to see. Like one is the reporting stuff that might be just required by your investors to, to show or actually you just need on the monthly report to, to look back at or, or even like for accounting. And then there is this um, category of, of um, quick insight where you're just checking out what's, what's going on now, what happened yesterday, what's been happening last hour, is there any sort of warnings or something I need to address. And then there is this sort of advanced analytics where you really get into maybe pulls out, pull out data, doing like machine learning or uh, just like more advanced analytics that you build custom for yourself. So really large uh, funds are most likely going to do some parts of that as well. Um, mm. But yeah, there, there is a need for, for these these kinds of tools that help you do that job because there is a lot of work uh, building sort of this basic uh, stats essentially that we don't have today and reporting tools that we don't really have today. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard for Lightning Network infrastructure. Creating layer two applications and services on top of Bitcoin starts with Voltage, where you can spin up nodes, get access to liquidity, optimize your node, and much more. Voltage is leading the way as the next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. And if you want to get a free trial and start using Voltage today, you can do so at voltage.cloud. Today, the Lightning Network, I think, is more like you're right when you call it a skill. I think today, like there's definitely uh, people who are better and worse at routing and managing their channels. I wonder, do you think it's always going to be that way where it's always going to be like a hands-on process, a uh, very thoughtful process of like deciding, you know, manually, like where I should devote capital? Or do you see a, a future where there are tools built to kind of like entirely automate this process to almost eliminate some of the skill required? Well, I think that it, we're going to see this process where more and more is getting automated, but not everything. I think sort of the, some of the competitive advantage of the more skilled routing nodes is of course going to be their skill. Right? Um, 
and of course it's going to be other factors like the, the amount of capital the price of the capital they, they have access to and all this but I think of course you can get to the point where shops and most are regular users and smaller sort of um, uh, yeah smaller shops um, can do this completely automated where essentially they rely on automated deals with renting capital when they need it and all that. But for routing nodes, I think there will be a manual process to some of it or adjusting automation tools uh, continually and, and stuff like that. I don't think yeah. it's going to be for routing nodes, like set and forget and just like make money out of nothing, right? Um, right. So I guess there's, there's always going to be a component. Like, what do you think the constraint is for, for those really great routing node operators today? What what separates them from the rest? Is it like if it's just their ability to, you know, identify um, maybe like there's really high fees going on in this segment of the network and I should deploy capital there. Um, couldn't couldn't something like that be automated away if everyone can get access to like data on the network? Couldn't you kind of like I, I'm trying to figure out like what what specifically is it that might separate a good routing node? from someone who's not good? And then what is it about technology that we can't replicate that or automate that, I guess? Well, I think you can say that a part of this is, um, is arbitrage. Uh, so essentially when you identify that, oh, there, there's too much like a high fee here. So it's actually profitable for me to open the channel. And I think there's going to be a lot of traffic. Um, when you see that, you're essentially seeing an arbitrage opportunity, right? Um, and that is essentially a skill that people can have to, to sort of see that today. And people do that today where they essentially do the work. They analyze um, the uh, discover sort of, they look through, channel, uh, through um, nodes, they see the traffic going on their channels and where that might come from or lead to. Um, and use that to take decisions. And um, that, of course, is going to be more and more complex as we go along and uh, more and more sort of, um, yeah, based on, on uh, skills. And some of that is going to be automated, as you said, like you can have access to data that shows a lot of this. But I think the difference here, uh, like people can take this and, and think that, oh, it's going to be like capital markets, like um, Forex or, or stocks, right? Where essentially you have this arbitrage opportunity that always goes to zero. And then you have this sort of uh, fight to get, uh, find alpha and, and stuff like that. Um, the difference, one of the big differences here is that a lot of data is not visible. And you know, like, it's not an open market completely where you can see everything, right? So, yeah, having local knowledge, for example, of an area or um, a region is a benefit, I think. Yeah. All kinds of different situations, like knowing in part of an industry that uses lightning a lot. Um, so I think um, this is not as um, like a competitive race to zero as a lot of um, capital markets and a lot of other investment um, markets. Uh, yeah, capital markets are like. Right. So what, what might be a, a skill set that someone would have to make them uh, a good candidate for operating a routing node? Like, do you think this is someone who, like, would it be like a quant at a hedge fund that is, you know, really good with like crunching numbers and managing data that, that could then like analyze big portions of the network and, and figure out what the, the correct, you know, optimal spot to deploy capital is? 
or is it like who might be a good candidate to operate a routing node? Well, it's interesting when it comes to just the effect of sort of routing traffic without selling channels or um, that. Then yes, I think there's going to be like quants deciding where to, to open channels and all this. But I think a large portion of the revenue for routing nodes is going to come from the, the fact of selling channels and selling capacity. Um, so yeah, that, that might change the business somewhat, where maybe some of these routing nodes focus less on sort of tuning out the little small sort of extra gain you can get from having the right channel at any given moment and focus more on being sort of well connected, almost like a telecom provider says that, oh, we have good coverage. Um, so you can buy sort of liquidity from us or yeah, telecom providers like, yeah, you can buy a cell phone subscription from us because we have good coverage, uh, right? Uh, right. And that can also be branded and can all, like, as we sort of enter that, you, you get into all kinds of emotional things that humans have, like trust and reliability of that provider and everything that doesn't sort of, isn't just purely mathematical in terms of sort of, oh, should open channel there or there, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that we uh, see logistics providers, like people who are like, like Amazon, who's like managing the flow of, you know, millions, probably billions of products around the world. Uh, do you think they would be a good candidate for routing routing money on the network? Because they they're doing they're doing that in a physical sense, right? They're they're routing. They're just routing packages, not money. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. You can almost look at this network as a bunch of cars in different cities, like a postal service, right? And then okay, we have this much many cars here trucks and everything and we if we send them there they're over there and they have to bring something back or they run back empty right and that is an extra cost and I think people who work in in those kinds of industries are uh, could have a benefit of sort of jumping into lightning at some point um, as it grows it's it's super interesting that would be really cool I can just I can only imagine if we saw you know if we woke up one morning and one of the largest nodes on the network was the US Postal Service or something like that I think <laughs> everyone would get a kick out of that um, I want to talk a bit about a bit more about um, the fees on the network. Um, what do you think? What's your assessment of like how um, how they grow over time as more people come on the network, as there's more capital deployed? Um, I, I posed this question to Renee uh, last week, Renee Pickard, and uh, he seemed to think that probably on balance fees are going to rise over time on the network, but it may not be uh, that consumers see those fees. It may be that those fees are on channel open versus being on uh, routing payments. What's your sense for whether or not that happens, the, the fees on channel open or on routing, and what you kind of think of as a equilibrium fee level or like a, a, a fee level that you think might be sustainable for the network over time? Mm. So I think there's going to be a mix, like with everything basically in, in, in the world, there's always sort of a mix, um, most things. Like we're going to see a fee, I think, between a lot of the routing nodes um, where they have this sort of uh, channels between them um, that are, maybe some of them are based on an agreement where they have zero fee, but a lot of them have a fee, and then they have sort of this this open pay on open channels that are essentially rented or paid to um, to shops, for example. Um, 
And, and this creates sort of this fee market combined with the cost of capital. So when the need for capital increases and investors are coming in because the fees, let's say the, the need for capital increases a lot, then the fee will increase as well because there's a lot of failed payments of having sort of a, even having a channel, regardless of price, is going to be attractive, uh, attractive to, to people in order to pay. And that, at that point, people will put in more capital, which will balance the fee again. So, so sort of the, the entire market, the combination of this market of cost on open and, and uh, cost of the routing fee is going to be balanced by the, the access to capital, the price of the access to the capital. Makes sense. Um, okay, let's get into the uh, a bit more about the roadmap for Ellen Capital. I want to understand, you know, Torque's the first product you're building. Um, what what are you thinking about in the future for for like extensions of Torque or like other products in your you know product suite? How do you think about uh, you know when it's time to to build a second product or a third product or fourth, or when it's time to just to focus on you know perfecting Torque. What's your kind of uh, strategy or game plan there? Well, I can't go too deep into the roadmap, essentially. Just for this year, our focus is Torque and build that into an excellent solution, um, like excellent capital management solution, essentially. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there are other products on the roadmap. Um, some of them involve connecting nodes, but I can't go more in depth into that. Interesting. Okay. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, though, is uh, the uh, liquidity on the network today. It seems like it's starting to pool in these marketplaces. Hmm. Um, you know, that's something that I've seen. We have we have Lightning Labs has pool as a product. We have Amboss has Magma. We have Lightning Network Plus. Uh, we have liquidity ads on uh, Core Lightning. Um, there's there's many different marketplaces now developing for people to get and for people to buy and sell liquidity basically. Um, how important do you think these marketplaces are for the health of the network? And how do you see that evolving over time? Do we have many marketplaces? Does it all converge to one? Is there kind of like a? a it seems like there's a network effect to some degree here, but it's hard to know exactly how strong that will be. Yeah, and uh, as I said, I think the market right now is, is super simple as opposed to how complex uh, the, the entire lightning market, uh, routing node market is going to be in the future. Um, it's for me impossible to say if, there, if one of these are going to just own everything. Right now, I don't see any of them being sort of a clear candidate to just take over the market. Um, but they are really interesting early products for uh, sending capital to where it's needed, where there is a willingness to pay for that capital. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think these markets will evolve into a, a large um, set of providers uh, within that industry. Why do you think that we haven't seen any, we haven't seen much custodial adoption of, of, in, in terms of these marketplaces? Like I think all four of them are non-custodial. Um, what, what do you think is holding back uh, custodial solutions from offering you know, an alternative for customers? Because we see custodial exchanges become really, really popular. And, and you know, today, custodial exchanges are far more popular than non-custodial exchanges uh, in Bitcoin space, at least. Um, 
what do you think is the reasoning behind why marketplaces and some of the products today in Lightning are exclusively almost non-custodial? Hmm. Well, I think it again is because we have a lot of Bitcoin enthusiasts in this industry today, which aren't interested in custodial solutions. Uh, like they want to preserve that non-custodial, uh, yeah, way of doing things. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're going to see entirely custodial versions of this, where you have sort of agreements with or somebody who is a really popular route, you know, they're starting up a service where it says like, yeah, you can invest in my node. Um, how they're doing that is, I'm not sure about, but if, like if you're doing this in your country and you have, you're allowed to, to take investments like that, um, then yeah, you can do it. But of course, then you, you also suddenly enter into this space where you have regulations on who can invest in you and, and how and, and all that because you become a custodial partner. Uh, and you're a bit different than an exchange and um, wallet, right? Because you have, you're doing something else with their Bitcoin. Um, you're not just allowing them to trade, for example. Right. Okay. I guess, yeah, that could also lead to questions around if you're generating yield for someone in a custodial way. Um, I believe there are there are some pretty stringent restrictions on that, at least in the U.S. Um, uh, do you think, because I think that was something that uh, BlockFi may have gotten into hot water about, um, like offering yield essentially uh, to customers, right? I think that's... I think that's uh, maybe a good reason for why some of this stuff has not has not got uh, has not gone custodial to date. Yeah. yeah, and I think just it's 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 still super super early when it comes to this market. Um, but I think this is changing really fast. When you look at the bit evolution of Bitcoin, the Bitcoin market in the last four years, and especially the last six or eight years, it's just crazy. Right? Mm -hmm services we have today and the level uh, of these services, especially the, the custodial ones. So these problems are being solved, of course, um, I think in, in the near future. Do you worry at all about, about regulations? Like on the topic of, you know, custodial yield uh, on Lightning, even non-custodial yield could, could, could appear to regulators as, you know, you're transmitting money. Like that's essentially what you're doing as a routing node operator. You're like, you know, you're, you're moving capital across this network and it's a very private network. And I can see how, you know, maybe this is, maybe it's still too small for regulators to notice, but I can see how if this gets big, a regulator may come in and go, hold on, this private network, there's a bunch of people operating on it, sending money, slinging sats back and forth. We can't see any of it. They're earning for doing it. So they're providing a service, which has historically been you know, Visa's domain or a bank's domain, you know, regulators raise a red flag and go, hold on, this is not okay. Do you worry at all about that? Uh, well, yeah, I, I do to some degree, but at the same time, I think it goes back to, to the fact that these regulators are trying to prevent people from investing in bad actors. So once you have sort of custody, you have a lot of uh, responsibility of reporting everything and all that once like if you don't have custody of the funds then i think a lot of it goes away or essentially it isn't covered that well i think also 
since when you're running a routing node, yes, you're helping people transfer money, but you don't know exactly from who and to who. Um, and you don't know, um, like you have zero control of that money, right? When, when you do, like it's atomic, right? So you can't um, take the money in the middle of that route. And mm -hmm. that again helps reduce some of these problems. But of course, you could say that I know who I received, like the, the immediate right node and the immediate uh, next left node is. And you can say that you could see a world where you have to check that that route, that that node is uh, acceptable to be connected to. Um, but again, this is a global permissionless um, market or, or network, I mean. Uh, so you can simply say that, oh, the, the regulation here in Norway or in the United States isn't preferable anymore. It's too much red tape. Okay, I'll just pick up the server and my company register in like Panama or whatever, right? And do it right. Uh, it might make it harder to get access to capital that way, but uh, you can still move around, right? Um, yeah, totally. Um, beyond regulation, is there anything that you see as concerning in the Lightning ecosystem? Something that you, you know, wish the community would work together to solve? Any any issues that you see in the network uh, today? Um, yeah, like that speed of payments and how stable and, uh, and all that um, but uh, there there are people um, working working on this it knows a lot more than me like you <laughs> spoke to last week yeah so um, yeah I don't know what uh, after following him I don't want to <laughs> go too deep into that but yeah of course there is a ton to fix this is super mm -hmm. early there uh, we got to the point that works fairly well but there's still a lot to do yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Um, okay, so maybe we can get into the last little segment here, and uh, I want to just talk about the Lightning Network more broadly, and do some like predictions and hear your thoughts on a couple items. First, I'd love to know if there's any kind of Lightning Network applications that you're using today outside of Torque um, that are that are particularly exciting. Anything interesting that you've played around with to date? Um, <laughs> I mean, I mostly test out the different um, tools out there, like Pool, um, Magma, that I must just uh, launch, and LM Plus, um, these things. Um, yeah, I bought um, a bunch of stuff with Bitcoin, especially now in Bitcoin 2022. Um, but I don't use a lot of the services. I haven't used uh, the podcasting uh, service too much yet. Um, I tested it out once with Breeze. I want to try it more and, and um, yeah, get that running. Um, well, we'll get you set up on this show. We're gonna before we uh, uh, put this out, we'll get you set up with an account, and you'll get a split from the uh, podcasting uh, sats. Um, okay, next question: When we think about Lightning uh, payment activity today, if you had to split it up into percentages, how much? What percent of all activity happening on the network is, you know, like, I hesitate to say useful, but I, I, what I mean is like economic activity that people would identify as a real payment happening between two people or a merchant and a person or, you know, a podcast stream versus what percentage is rebalancing or people just kind of like reconfiguring their, their nodes on the network. 
if you have to split those into percentages, how do you split them today? Like wild guess. I have no idea, but like 50-50 <laughs> almost. <laughs> okay. I think there are a lot of people playing around with rebalancing. There are, I think, less now than a few months back, but people having way too aggressive rebalancing. Um, yeah, there's also this sort of um, idea that it might be like inefficient as sort of the network as a whole to rebalance too much um, when it's well connected. Uh, so yeah, I think we're still seeing too much rebalancing, um, but of course, I don't run a lot of nodes and I don't uh, I don't know exactly these things. Okay, so roughly 50-50 if you had to guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? How much do you? How much payment volume then do you think? If it's 50-50 split, what's the total size of that pool of volume? Again, if you have to guess on this. Actually, I just I realized something. I might need to adjust it. Like we could say twenty-five percent, maybe actually, or thirty-three percent. Because if you're fifty-fifty, it would yeah, it would lose a lot of money because um, the fees essentially would cancel each, each other out, or somebody would just lose money and somebody would make a lot of money. But yeah, so let's say thirty percent is is rebounding. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. What was your question again? <laughs> now, now, if you have to take a total. Uh, payment volume, like if you put a dollar amount to it, how much activity happened? Maybe we can say like annual dollar volume on on Lightning between both rebalancing and the kind of more economically useful or traditionally useful uh, activities. Hmm. I thought a lot about the future, but I haven't thought about the, the transaction volume today because it's so hard to know, right? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, like, do you think that the average node, because we, we talked earlier about efficiency, and you thought, you threw out a number of maybe one, you know, one times your public capacity per week hmm. might be like a, a rough, you know, maybe that's a good guideline for, for some operators. Do you think that the network itself is circulating 1x its capacity per week? Because that could be a good way to frame it. If, if you know, if we have almost 4,000 Bitcoin, um, on the network, and we have 50 weeks, we are 52 weeks, but call it 50. We got two, what is that, 20,000 Bitcoin uh, circulating, is that 20, no, 200,000 Bitcoin circulating every year. If, if everyone as a network is, is circulating the entire capacity once per week, that'd be 200,000 Bitcoin per year, I believe. Do you think that is a is a rough? Like, does that make sense? Maybe I think the the turnover, the total turnover of the network today is much lower than one, um, mm. because it is inefficient. Some nodes are have a crazy turnover rate, right? Um, routing many times their capacity in in a year, right? But. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's much lower on average. And the, the interesting part is if we get back to this sort of how many, like how much of this capital is is open in the way of sort of stores renting capacity, uh, cap capacity right? Um, paying on channel open versus how many, like how much Bitcoin is in just channels relying on routing fees. Mm -hmm. uh, because they, they optimize differently. Like a store doesn't care if it loses a bit in efficiency 
because they want simplicity maybe, right? So they pay a bit more, they have a bit more capacity than they need because then they're sure that they have capacity when customers want to pay. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky, but I think everything comes back to the, the return on investment for, for the nodes. Um, yeah, sorry, um, switch direction there, <laughs> but essentially when, <laughs> when it comes to total transaction volume, I think we will see in, in a few years, a few trillion dollars um, in transaction volume, but right now it's much, much less. Um, yeah. No idea how much. Um, well, so I just did quick math on the on the two hundred thousand Bitcoin per year. If that's if that was if that number was true, that would mean we we're at about six billion dollars a year in Lightning volume, which seems a little bit on the high end. I think I've asked this question a few times to other guests, and I think the the consensus seems to be somewhere between like half a billion and two billion, maybe like that. That's I've gotten a few different answers, and again, today, no one knows for sure. But today, in transaction volume, uh, yeah. Well, over the last over the last six months, I've asked this question, right. so maybe it's it's larger today. Um, but yeah, it seems think, seems possible. In, like yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. This was Thanks, really man. useful. We went into a lot of different rabbit holes here. I think people will get a good understanding of routing on Lightning Network from this. Um, where can people go to learn more about you and the work you're doing? Hmm. Um, yeah, Ellen.Capital is the website. Um, and there also I link to the, the Torque uh, GitHub repository. Uh, and there also you can, you can find my Twitter or the Ellen Capital Twitter profile, um, as well as the Telegram channel, uh, where essentially I yeah, you can ask me anything, and we, um, yeah, we respond fairly quickly. I think, um, yeah, so I would also love to hear feedback and people trying out the solution and all that. So, reach out there. Awesome, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, and I'm excited to follow along with uh, all the progress at Allen Capital this year. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Lightning Round, presented by Zebedee, your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. The Zebedee app. That is Z-E-B-E-D-E-E -E -E, is a full-featured Lightning wallet and allows you to earn Bitcoin for playing games. Now, I thought it'd be fun to spice things up a bit. So if you go download the Zebedee app, you'll get a chance to compete against me and earn some extra sats. Each month, I'll be playing a different Zebedee game. And you can find them all in the Zebedee app. Uh, but this month, I'm going to play Seru Toby. Now, my high score on Seru Toby is currently... 625 meters on flyby mode. So if you go download the Zebedee app and beat my high score, send me a screenshot of it on Twitter, as well as your Zebedee gamer tag, and I'll send you some extra sats. Good luck. All right, in the last seven days, you guys sent in 6,970 sats. It's been about seven days since I published the last episode. So some of the comments and sats you sent in uh, right when I published Renee's episode did not show up in the last seven days. But regardless, we're going to go through them in a moment. Uh, the last seven days, the top supporters, first is BTC Rich with 1,960 sats. Uh, Follow Reason sent in 1,416 sats. An anonymous user from Breeze sent in 1,163 sats. Merlin sent in 833 sats. And I am J Miles sent in 755 sats. Um, again, in most cases, both 
parties, myself and the, the guest, uh, are receiving this amount of sats. So the actual numbers are, are likely doubled in almost all cases, um, but it's not perfect. So, so keep that in mind when you hear uh, these numbers. Um, let's go through some of the comments in the last, uh, since the last episode was published, which was, I guess, seven days ago, maybe eight days ago now. Um, first comment comes in from Jeffrey, who sent in 2,450 sats and said, great show. This was in response to episode 45 with Daniel Buckner, actually. Um, the next comment from Jeffrey is big fan of Renee boosted pre-listen. That's, that's a great, uh, signal of confidence. I appreciate the boost, Jeffrey. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, Sir Brian of London from Castomatic sent in a comment that says another excellent show. So thank you, Brian, for sending in uh, 1,796 sats. Um, and, uh, and thank you for the comment. Peter says in response to episode 46 with Renee Picard, um, Changing the protocol to include a reliability layer would be a game changer. I think we are still early enough to reboot the entire Lightning Network with a new protocol if it comes down to it. This is one of these conversations where I, I feel like I'm a little bit, um, I don't feel like my technical knowledge is sufficient to make a comment uh, here. I, I don't know if, if we are early enough to reboot the entire Lightning Network if need be. Um, I really enjoyed listening to, to Renee and, and picking up on his, his knowledge of the space, uh, but I definitely have to say that my technical understanding of the space is still quite limited. Uh, but regardless, Peter, thank you for sending in the comment. Uh, it's something worth thinking about, and uh, maybe I can bring this up with a future guest because uh, I don't know if I'm the right person to, um, to talk about this issue. Um, HK1111 sent in a message that says go in response to Anders Helseth's episode um, and sent in 10 sats. Thank you, HK1111. I am J Miles said great job, Julie, in response to episode 32 uh, with Julie Landrum on Open Node. Uh, sent in 245 sats. Thank you, I am J Miles. And BTC Rich sent in a comment that says great listen in response to episode 46 with Renee Picard. Uh, I'm so impressed with Renee's fierce independence, sobering thoughts about the trends towards centralization and the implications of censorship. Thank you for the comment, uh, BTC Rich. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode with Renee. Um, I'd love to have him on as a guest again. It, it seems like people are really enjoying the content that he is bringing to the table. And it's it's a very valuable position for, for Renee to be in because he, he does have this independent aspect to his work where he can sometimes say things and, and um, he can, he can uh, operate with clarity where others have conflicting interests sometimes. Um, so I appreciate hearing the perspectives of independent researchers and people working on Bitcoin um, at a, at a deep, deeply technical level as well. I can't wait to see what you guys send in for comments and questions on this episode. I'll have another episode out in a couple of days. Uh, thank you for everyone who is sending in sats and comments and questions. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we can keep spreading this value for value movement with all the guests that come on the show. So thank you again for sending in sats, comments, questions, and I will see you all in a few days.